All right, welcome to episode, did I say nine? Of The National Pulse. I'm Renee Kassam, editor-in-chief of thenationalpulse.com. Delighted you can be with us here today. We've got a lot to cover. A lot out of these impeachment hearings. We're coming at you live from Capitol Hill. Yes, that is a Capitol Hill still occupied, still on a lockdown. As the Democrats make their case that President Trump incited an insurrection, a genuine attempt to usurp democracy in the United States of America. But how good is their case? How good are their impeachment managers? How much would this stand up in a real court of law, not just in the United States Senate? There's a big difference in how courts treat cases and in how the U.S. Senate is trying this case against the president. And we'll get into all of it right now. And I do love having this new setup. It makes the intro just sound so much more. There's just much more gravity about it, you know. Welcome, welcome. Okay, I've been watching, and I'm sure some of you have as well. I'm sure some of you really have not. And in a sense, I don't blame you, but in another sense, I totally, totally do. Because this is the fate of your nation at stake here. This is what they're going to do to every single one of us. This is what they're going to do to every single Republican, every single conservative. There are going to be loyalty tests now for jobs and in your life and on your school boards and for public office. The Democrats have already started drafting new legislation that includes in the wording of declarations when you apply for a job in a government security apparatus. It might be at the FBI. It might even be in a police department. I don't know if this bill goes that far. But what they want is this new text in the bill that says, hey, have you ever been involved in anything that is remotely related to a conspiracy about the legitimacy of the election? I'm serious. This exists. This is the language they now want to build in to employment. So it's not just about some philosophical notion about the Republic, about the United States of America. This is actually about your day-to-day lives. And even if it doesn't concern you, you might be thinking, well, I'm not a police officer and I'm not going to be in the FBI at any point in time and I don't want to work in the national security apparatus. So it doesn't have anything to do with me. Wipe your hands of it. That's not true, is it? Because you're still then going to be lumbered with people who pass a loyalty test on behalf of the Democratic Party of America in terms of who is staffing national security agencies. So it does still concern you. And I want you to internalize that because what we're seeing right now is a coup in and of itself. It's a coup of American institutions. It's a coup of your mind. 
It's a coup for your mind. It's a coup for the way you think. This is what they're trying to do here, is fundamentally change the critical thinking that goes on in the minds of the American people. Shifting the Overton window. I know a lot of you know what that means. If you're unfamiliar or you've forgotten, go back and remind yourself what shifting the Overton window means. They are creating a different framework. This is what the impeachment's about. This isn't about January the 6th. They couldn't care less about January the 6th at this point. You know, it was after after Steve Scalise was shot on that congressional baseball field. And uh, he was shot, and a bunch of other people were shot, a Republican, at a Republican congressional baseball game training event they were actually shot and i want to remind you of what nancy pelosi said back then because the case that they're making today as it pertains to january the 6th and this relates to me saying they don't care about january the 6th really they don't care about january the 6th January the 6th is the red herring. What this is, is about a war for your mind. What is allowed to be said anymore? You know, we jokingly referred this morning on the war room to the F word, the F word. But it's true, fraud is now a four-letter word. Election fraud is even worse. Let me remind you what Nancy Pelosi said when Republican congressmen were not just shot at, were shot just a couple of years ago. And we have heard comments from Republicans, including Congress, about vitriolic rhetoric from the left being in some way to blame. Well, I think that your question is an excellent one. And I think that the comments made by my Republican colleagues are outrageous, beneath the dignity of the job that they hold, beneath the dignity of the respect that we would like Congress to command. How dare they say such a thing? How dare they? Uh, So this sick individual does something despicable, and it was horrible what he did, hateful. But for them to all of a sudden be sanctimonious as if they don't never seen such a thing before. And I don't even want to go into the President of the United States, but in terms of some of the language that he has used. So, again, I, I, let's go there another day. But since you asked, how could they possibly say such a thing? First of all, the timing of it all. Everybody is so sad, so concerned, so coming together. You know, let us all take a step back, examine our own conscience, see what uh, um, negative attitudes we can all curtail. But the sanctimony of it all, really, really? What do you think? Don't you think it's strange? Don't you think it's strange that instead, praying, be prayerful about all of this, that they would start saying, let's have this conversation another day, okay? 
she didn't want to talk about it. That was Speaker Nancy Pelosi when asked about violent left-wing rhetoric, and we know there has been plenty. I'm, I'm happy to go through it with you all if you fancy that. And by the way, I read the comments on the Podbean uh, comment section everywhere that you can leave comments for me i read them so let me know if you want me to, if you want us to do an entire episode on left-wing violence i'm here for it but that was right after a bernie sanders supporter shot with with the intention of murdering a number of republicans who were practicing ahead of the congressional baseball game in the immediate aftermath talking days here Nancy Pelosi didn't want to talk about it. She says right at the end there, you hear her, she says, let's have this conversation another day. She's, she was going on to say something, and then she stopped herself and said, let's have this conversation another day. That conversation was never had, by the way. We never actually did have a conversation about the violent far left. It was one of President Trump's failings, as far as I was concerned, that he didn't go further and faster in terms of pursuing Antifa and these radical left-wing groups, BLM, everything. That's okay. No, no president is perfect. No administration does everything you want it to do. That's okay. We're, we're big boys and girls. We will, we, will, we will wear that. But what I won't wear is Nancy Pelosi referring to the sanctimony of Republicans for them having the temerity to want an investigation? Maybe not even an investigation. Maybe all they wanted was an answer to a question as to how somebody on the radical left got so radicalized that he went to murder a number of congressmen, right? A number of congressmen. This is a lot different from... Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez having a coffee in her colleague's office and then claiming that Ted Cruz tried to have her murdered. These people were shot and shot at. Rand Paul's neighbor actually attacked him. He's had to have surgery. He's had to have part of his lung removed. Rand Paul also was attacked outside the White House here in Washington, D.C., a separate occasion. And Nancy Pelosi said, really, the sanctimony, really, the sanctimony. You want to talk about sanctimonious, turn your television on today. Listen to this impeachment trial, this farce, this nonsense. The claims made today actually hand President Trump and his team an incredible opportunity here. If, if they want to take it. If they are capable, strong enough, smart enough to look at these glaring rhetorical holes, and I don't mean that the holes are rhetorical, I mean there is holes, there are holes in the rhetoric coming out of people like Eric Swalwell. Who would have thought it, by the way, that Eric Swalwell wouldn't really have a good case up there? But just like impeachment 1.0, I suspect all we'll hear from the Trump defense team is, well, technically you can't do this because, you see, the president can uh, take his First Amendment rights. It's dull, it's boring, it's not on the offensive, which is where you absolutely always have to be now in politics, always on the rhetorical offensive. We're going to hear a defense. And I'm not saying 
by the way, I got these, I got this same, same set of complaints at me last time, last impeachment from the White House, no less. That, Raheem, why are you out there saying that we should be doing this and that and the other? You don't know what we're going to do. We could be really aggressive in our arguments. These were the words that were back-channeled to me, by the way, from the White House. I turned around and I said, let's see. Let's see. Because I suspect that you will not have any robust arguments. And shocking, shocking, shocking. They did not have any robust arguments. I think I saw Pam Bondi up there for about five minutes getting on the front foot and then she was yanked down and we never saw from her again. Heard from her again. Sorry. And I suspect we'll have the same thing this time. But there were some glaring, 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 glaring holes in what happened today. And oftentimes these things will be small. They will be. The, 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 the missile only had that, you know, that, that small trench in the Death Star to get down but you can still blow up the whole Death Star. Often things won't seem like a massive, massive, massive deals because Swalwell will just gloss over a point and then get onto the next slide. And most people are too lazy to either rewind the television or to use a service like Gravian to go and find and figure out what exactly happened in that moment. I'm very glad to say that some of the people in the, in the National Pulse uh, private chat which you can be a part of if you want. It's it's on the website. I'm really pleased to see that they were going through this stuff and not just letting the Democrats gloss over points. Because this is where, in the detail, is where these cases are won. You know, Eric Swalwell gets up there today and he starts talking about the president's tweets. You know, they're obsessed. They're obsessed. They're still obsessed. He starts talking about the president's tweets when he says, stop the fraud, stop the steal. And they're making the case that Donald Trump radicalized over time his base to believe the results of the election would be fraudulent. If making the case, and I'll get onto this in a minute, but if making the case that mail-in ballot that using mail-in ballots leads to mail-in ballot fraud is seditious or is extremist or is radicalizing, then a lot of people are guilty of those things, me included. Um, Parliamentary committees in the United Kingdom are guilty of it if that is the measure, if that is the bar. In countries all around the world where mail-in voting has been deployed. Look it up. We, I actually did a story about this. In fact, can I, I'm going to look it up live with you in real time here. I did a story about mail-in ballot fraud. Mail-in ballot fraud evidence. Yes, I think was the headline, something like that. So many, so many developed countries have deployed mainland voting only to realize, oh my goodness, we're getting a ton more fraud than we, uh, than we ever had before. And Swalwell's going through these tweets and saying, look at this case. He's been saying this for a year. People have been radicalized over the case course of a year. 
Of course, the reason they're making this case, by the way, is because I did the report into how radicalization happens and who's been responsible for the radicalization of people against American institutions for a decade. And guess what? It's been the media with its relentless attack. Yes, even on Congress, even on the people that they are in bed with half of the time, most of the time. Because clicks and views and likes and shares and eyeballs, that's why. Profit, profit. Who cares about the nation? Profit. So let me let me just go through this here for a second with you. In early 2020, the conservative government in Poland wanted to use mail-in ballots, but was actually rebuked by the European Union, of all places, for attempting to do so. Vera Jourova is the EU's Values and Transparency Commissioner, and she told a Polish newspaper early in 2020, quote, I followed this process very closely. I'm concerned about free and fair elections and the quality of voting of the legality and constitutionality of such a vote. I can read it again. Okay, was was Donald Trump that eloquent? No. Was he saying exactly the same things? Obviously, yes. Yes is the answer to that. He was talking about and has been talking about for a year, and we have been too, and basically most people on the political right have been, many people on the political left have been, about mail-in voting and the propensity for fraud. And Eric Swalwell gets up there, And he's walking people through this whole narrative. And he crescendos. Don't know if it's the same type of crescendo he had with Fang Fang. But he gets to the culmination of the point and he says, the president tweeted all these things and he didn't even present evidence to back those claims. Eric Swalwell had the audacity to say that in the Senate today while he was flicking through a bunch of slides of the tweets of the former president of the United States and there was a hyperlink on one of those tweets that was shown on all our televisions that went to one of the pieces of evidence here. One of the tweets he put up said dead people voted and immediately after that swalwell turns around and he says he has no evidence he provides no evidence he's just saying things to whip people into a frenzy but he quickly moved that slide along because guess what guess what there was a hyperlink on that slide on that tweet and if you click it if you click it it goes through to an article which names the dead people that were found to have voted in the November, the evidence, the evidence. Regular listeners will know that I'm not a fan of Fox News. I haven't been for some time. I think the direction is all wrong. I I think they've treated people quite badly. I'm very grateful for the time they've let me have on air. I'm not trying to be churlish about it. 
And I'm very grateful to people like Laura Ingram, Tucker Carlson, and Sean Hannity, and and people who have had me on. Let me say my piece. That's not who I'm attacking here. I'm attacking the institutional brain of Fox News, right? Which is which is the editorial control coming from the corporate side, which isn't supposed to be how that works. But anyway, anyway, my point being, this link in the Trump tweet went to a Fox News article. So don't listen to this and think, oh, the guy with the right-wing podcast is saying Fox News is a reliable source. I'm actually not saying that. I'm not. What I'm saying is Eric Swalwell made the case that there wasn't any evidence being pointed to, but there was evidence being pointed to. And you may be listening to this thinking, Raheem, why are you belaboring such a small point? And that's my point. It's not a small point. It's not a small point. It's actually a rather significant point that the Trump lawyer should come back on and say, hang on a minute. We're being asked to believe the things by the House impeachment managers as they say them, but in real time we can see that those things are not true. We had the same thing yesterday with Congressman Neguse, who falsely attributed a statement to legal analyst Jonathan Turley, and why? Because he saw a report on CNN that turned out to be false and repeated that claim. He didn't actually go to the source. He didn't look at Jonathan Turley's comments. He went to CNN's flawed reporting. I wouldn't say it wasn't even flawed. It was false. It was outright false. The report, in case you missed the show yesterday, was that Jonathan Turley had said something, quote, a few days ago that he hadn't actually said a few days ago. He had said it 21 years ago in a legal opinion and had since changed his mind. A lot changes in 21 years. I think we can all think about things that we've changed about ourselves in 21 years. And, and opinions that we've changed in 21 years. And they did the same thing today. The Democrats have done the same thing today. It's this ripping through, boom, 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 fancy images, highlight on the screen, pictures. That's a war for your mind. That's a sh- an attempted shift of the Overton window that's happening there in real time. And I sincerely hope that somebody somebody listen somebody grab this link of this podcast and send it to the trump people please because i do every day but it's for some reason the message isn't getting through i just think there's a there's a big gaping there's a big gaping open goal here and i i swear i swear to god i could do a better job on that senate floor than the lawyers did yesterday, I have to tell you. There's been so much of this over the course of the day. I've been watching it. So much hyperbole, so much rhetoric, so much pathos that can just so easily be dissected if if they want to put in the time and the legwork to get that done, and only if that happens. Nobody's going to do it for them. The United Kingdom. In 2001, instituted mail-in voting. In 2006, the Council of Europe opened an investigation into the allegations of widespread absent vote fraud. 30 
thousand names were removed from the ballot in just one city in the United Kingdom after a major fraud was alleged. There's a guy called Dr. Stuart Wilkes Heeg. Pretty cool name. Stuart Wilkes Heeg. H-E-E-G. Of the University of Liverpool. And in 2008, he said, quote, greater use of postal voting has made UK elections far more vulnerable to fraud and resulted in several instances of large-scale fraud. I'm not making this up. I'm not saying, hey, an anonymous source has told me. I'm giving you the receipts. Dr. Stuart Wilkes Heeg. I'm not sure that Dr. Stuart Wilkes Heeg of the University of Liverpool is a frothing at the mouth right winger. I'm not sure that the Council of Europe are frothing at the mouth right wingers. I'm not sure that the EU's Values and Transparency Commissioner, Vera Jourova, is a Trump supporter, okay? This is coming from people who have experienced postal voting and mail-in balloting in their countries for so very long and decided, hey, you know what? doesn't actually work very well. I think France instituted it and then revoked it. I may be wrong on that. Worth checking. Look, I want to pivot away now from, from the impeachment and what we've heard today to talk to you about something that really stunned me listening to Jen Psaki today there's so much news you know I listened to we did the war room until noon and then I listened to the Jen Psaki uh, the impeachment and the Biden Burma announcement I don't know if you even heard that Joe Biden went up to give a speech today on Burma he gave three minutes we'll get into that shortly three minutes but I want to go to our favorite first. And yes, there is a jingle now for every time we discuss Jen Psaki. I can, I'll circle back <laughs> if there's more I can share with you. I'll circle back with you if there's more to convey. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. We can circle back. With, I'm happy to circle back with you. I can circle back. I will have to circle back on that so one. So Jen Psaki gets up today. Oh, such an important question. Uh, we will circle and, back with you and we'll, we'll circle she's back. She's asked another question. question but, uh, we'll another to tough back. question back, but I'll have from to Fox News' Peter Ducey. Twice now that I'm referencing Fox on this podcast. This is not sponsored and this is not an ad and I am not even a big fan of Fox anymore. But she's asked a tough question by Peter Ducey. Why don't I just play it for you? Hear it for yourself. When President Biden talked for the last couple months, particularly during the transition, about reopening schools within the first 100 days, Mm -hmm. why didn't he ever mention the small print? that that was just going to be for one day a week as the goal. Well, again, the president uh, made a set a goal of reopening the majority of schools uh, within 100 days. And when you asked what that meant, I answered the question. So uh, we are uh, that is the that is not the ceiling. That is the uh, that is the bar we're trying to leap over and exceed. And as I said, in response to Christian's Christian's question, the president wants to not just open schools. He wants them to stay reopened. He wants kids to be back in school learning five days a week. He wants everybody, parents to feel safe, teachers to feel safe. That's why he asked. 
asked uh, his Department of Education and the CDC to work together on guidelines. That's why he's put funding, proposed funding in the American Rescue Plan, because he knows that's not going to happen on its own. So I think the most important part of this is right at the top of this clip. And I'm going to play the beginning of this again for you there. I want you to listen very closely. The question is... You're gonna. Re- you said you were gonna reopen schools. One day a week is not reopening schools, and her answer is extraordinary. When President Biden talked for the last couple months, particularly during the transition, about reopening schools within the first 100 days, mm-hmm. why didn't he ever mention the small print that that was just going to be for one day a week as the goal? Well, again, the president uh, made uh, set a goal of reopening the majority of schools uh, within 100 days. And when you asked what that meant, I answered the question. So uh, we are uh, that is the that is not the ceiling. That is the uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. She's saying that when they made the pledge on the campaign to reopen schools, what they meant was reopening for one day a week. And because none of the media asked how many days of the week do you intend to reopen schools for, that they got away with it. That's what the read the fine print of what Jen Psaki is saying there. That is pretty audacious. That is pretty in your face. And, by the way, talk about throwing your buddies in the media under the bus, Jen. Basically saying that people didn't cover the Biden campaign properly. Well, we know that they didn't. We know that he was never asked a tough question. Ah, Mr. Mr. Biden, what's your favorite ice cream? But she just admits it. She admits it flat out right there. Hey, you didn't ask. You never, you never, you never pressed us. We said we're going to reopen schools. We only meant you know 20 minutes a day we meant you can drive around in the school parking lot circle around circle back it's nuts that's nuts how does she get away with that how does the administration get away with that oh i know because we have a feckless republican opposition that don't actually pay any attention and don't actually assail the left on the things that they say Sorry, that's true. (laughs) Why do you keep saying that, Raheem? Why do you have to punch right like that? Because I'm trying to get you, yes, you, the person listening to this right now, I'm trying to get you to do something about it. I'm trying to get you to send an email or write a letter or make a phone call or run for something. And maybe you already have, in which case, sorry for being so patronizing. But for those of you that haven't and just think, oh, that's out of my grasp, I can't do it, it's out of my reach, but you're still willing to complain, that's that's why I keep saying it. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> I couldn't believe that when I heard that from Jen Saki. I just thought that was one of the most extraordinarily candid in your face moments but they are being like that now aren't they it's kind of getting in your face and honey badger what are you going to do about it we're going to tell you on the front page of time magazine explicitly how we stole an election what are you going to do about it nothing 16 million people visited the national pulse in january and i'm ever so grateful to each and every single one of you that continues to go to the site if you stop going to the site if you don't open up the site 10 times a day let's go at 10 so you do two 
That's all I, I always think to myself as well. Because I like to I like to pass the love around also. Revolver.news and Citizen Free Press and clicks are what matters to these sites to keep them up, to keep them going. If you're a big corporate media outlet, you'd have to worry about that. Time Warner's taking care of you behind the scenes. But if you're if you're Revolver.news, if you're Citizen Free Press, if you're the National Pulse, you rely on the audience clicking every single day. And I'm so grateful for so many of you who, who, who are. Make sure you're heading over to the nationalpulse.com, sharing the stories. Keep us in business, please. And we will keep doing the news. We will. And keep growing and keep expanding and keep, you know, adding cameras into this podcast like I know so many of you want. UK hospitals have swapped the phrase breastfeeding for chest feeding now so as not to uh, upset all of those pregnant men that they... Uh, they have now over there <laughs> sussex oh goodness me goodness me what an what an absolute disaster this world is turning into i'm sorry i sound a little bit uh, i actually do sound a little bit down and whiny today i don't feel that way just uh, just on this on this news cycle i think it's 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 pretty annoying it's pretty outrageous it's it's pretty i feel pretty aggrieved about the fact that we we are Put it this way, the reason I do what I do, the reason I sit here and say what I say and and work the way I work and think about what I think about is because I can see that the, the, it's what Napoleon said, right? The crown of France is lying on the ground. I picked it up with my sword. How he took power. Well, I can see that there is a major, major problem in the Western world about leadership, thought leadership, action leadership. And I'm just not going to sit around and let the Heritage Foundations and the Republican National Committee and the Conservative Party in the UK, I'm not going to let them be the only source of leadership because look at where they've led us. What has it conserved? What has the Conservative Party in the UK conserved? Chest feeding. Chest feeding. So this is why we do it, and I want you involved at every step of the way, ladies and gentlemen. Please make sure that you are liking, subscribing, sharing, leaving a review. I want to know if you think I'm doing things wrong. Tell me. And that's all we have time for today. I have to get back across to the war room and do the evening show with Stephen K. Bannon and guests. I thank you for tuning in. Please share this. We covered so much information, so much ground about Swalwell, about what took place in the Senate today, about what Jen Psaki's saying about schools. We didn't even get into Burma. We'll cover Burma tomorrow. Ten days after the coup, Biden finally decides to impose sanctions on the people that have been in charge of the coup. Will it have any effect at this point? They already control the place. All right, I'll see you again tomorrow.